This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. And this is poet Emery DiGiorgio. Disclosure. Love, while you slept, I peeled open one eye. Forgive me, I slipped inside. The whole room, cerulean. I promise, I didn't touch a thing. There was a window along the back wall and a landscape of the coast hanging to my left. I was torn between the mountains in the painting and the sea beyond the glass. What must have been your breath was rising, or was it my own? I wondered if I cast open the window, would you startle awake? And should I inhabit your eye forever, would I grow to call this view home? Emery DiGiorgio is a featured poet at this year's Geraldine R. Dodge Poetry Festival which starts next week in Newark, New Jersey. She teaches poetry at Stockton College in Galloway, New Jersey. You splitboarded the Tasman Glacier, <laughs> and I just wanted to ask you about that. What is splitboarding, and what is the Tasman Glacier? <laughs> I'm an active snowboarder, and a splitboard is a snowboard that breaks into two intentionally so that it can turn into touring skis so you're able to climb up a mountain by placing these skins on the bottom of the board and then at the top of the mountain you put put the board back together it becomes a snowboard and you ride down and so my honeymoon a summer ago my husband and I spent 36 days in New Zealand and we rented a camper van and we toured both the North and South Island and we stopped to snowboard and surf and hike and meet the people and just have a, had a really wonderful time. And the, the best part of the trip was at the end of the honeymoon, we spent five days on the Tasman Glacier, which is a, an active glacier where there's avalanches and um, you know, lots of glacier movement in terms of the shift of the, of the ice. And we had a guide and we spent five days there touring this area and we've stayed in a tiny little hut that was just clamped down on the edge of a cliff. And it was a beautiful experience. There's just these amazing white-capped mountains and so much silence and so much white. And it was the most challenging thing I've ever done in my life, physically and mentally, because you're out on the mountain climbing for hours at a time. So at the end of the day, it might be a three-hour trek back at a 30-degree pitch, and the hut would be the size of a postage stamp and the brain and the mind just, it just reels like a carnival and so I would recite poems that I had memorized and just think about all these things and it was a really really beautiful experience. What would you say you write about the most? Being a woman. <laughs> um, I think that I write a lot about observing the world as a woman, inhabiting the world as a woman, inhabiting my body as a woman, interacting with other women or with men, and exploring the different uh, roles and power structures that come out of being a woman, whether it's between a mother-daughter or a father-daughter or um, as a lover, as a teacher, sort of all the roles that that a woman can exist in, um, even as victim. So I think I probably write most from a, a woman's perspective, and I can't help that slipping in even when I try not to write from that place. You'll be reading your poetry at the Geraldine R. Dodge Poetry Festival in Newark, New Jersey next week. Uh, tell me what you're doing there and who you are looking forward to seeing. I'll be participating in two group readings, and I have the pleasure of reading with Jane Hirschfield and Arthur Z and Brian Barker 
And in addition to the readings, I'm also going to give a Poets on Poetry talk, exploring aspects of craft and talking about some of the poets who have really influenced me. I'm excited to see so many people there, from Juan Felipe Herrera to Amiri Baraka, uh, to even reading with Jane Hirschfield, who is one of my absolute favorite poets. So I'm, I'm very excited to, to be a participant in this year's festival. I'll also volunteer and introduce some other poets, and it's a huge honor. What poets did you read um, that made you want to be a poet? I think the first poet that I read who made me want to be a poet is still contemporary, so I'll mention her, and that was Sharon Olds. And when I read her, I thought, wow, here is the Janis Joplin of poetry, and I've never heard of this before, and I'm so excited to, to pursue poetry. The other poets who are really inspirational to me and affected me a lot would have been Jane Kenyon, uh, who is a more contemporary poet, but who is no longer alive. She had this really quiet, powerful sensibility in her work. And then the Russian poet Anna Akhmatova, who was an amazing revolutionary, and she wrote both these sparse, cryptic love poems and these manifestos about the government. Why don't we hear another poem? Sure. Can do. Close to the edge. Watch it, he says. I'm pushing the egg, subtly at first. But now that he's said something hard, with the fork, launching a reckless wobble. I ask, is it selfless or selfish to kamikaze, to hijack a 757 on its way to LA? What's the difference? Honor, he says, believing one's country is right. Right? The egg's close to the edge, and I'm tempted to smash it with my fist, stop its uneasy scuttle. This is our kitchen, our counter, our dinner half-prepped, our TV ringing in the other room. But I feel as if I were spinning inside that egg. I don't know, can only imagine inside that shell, that plane, that pilot. Honor, protect and serve, a shiny metal badge, the sheriff's heavy holster. I heat the skillet. The oil thins. Somewhere a child chooses to load a gun. Somewhere he doesn't have a choice. This egg can't ever be a chicken. No matter how long I leave it in the fridge or cradle it between my feet on the couch. You're wrong, he says, and you're in trouble if you can't see the difference. He's right. I can't separate the two, and he can't hear me. Won't imagine the woman who straps the bomb purse beneath her sawwar might believe her life a sacrifice, this death honorable. At what point did you decide that poetry was, was going to be a vocation for you? I think there were a series of events. When I was a teenager, I had a sports injury that left me incapacitated for a while, and I found writing as an outlet to sort of vent a lot of what I was experiencing, both what I was missing with my peers and sort of some of the physical uh, pain that I was experiencing at the time. And so that was my first, that was my introduction to poetry. And once I started writing, it, it was uh, something I couldn't stop. And then when I started college as an undergraduate and I attended Stockton College and I was one of Stephen Dunn's students, I was 
introduced to this world of poets, these contemporary poets who now were writing about so many things that I was thinking about. And I thought, oh, I can do that too. I can do that too. And it was hard. It was so hard. It was harder than calculus. It was harder than physics. Here I was trying to recreate these moments and feelings. And there was no formula for it. There were rules and there were guidelines, but something else really magical had to happen for a poem to work. And I think seeing others do it well and being in the presence of masters and trying it and struggling with it made me fall in love with it that much and it just became something I knew I, I had to do. It was it was one of the most challenging things I had ever tried and I loved it because of that. You have taught poetry in hospitals. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to be a graduate assistant teacher at Weill Cornell University Medical Center and I taught poetry in their pediatric unit. And that was a life-changing experience for me. I didn't know if I wanted to be a teacher at that time. I knew I wanted to write poetry, and I knew I probably needed another job to pay the bills, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I started teaching in the hospital, and I had these profound experiences working bedside with children where I created these lessons, and, and these children would write poems either as a sort of way of escaping the pain they might be experiencing or as a way of expressing it. And it made me fall in love with writing in a wholly different way. Okay, I thought we would just end with uh, one more poem. Sure. Lonely Planet, a tour. It's going, or so I think. My eyes, no beauty. My hands, the quick spark of matchstick. My mouth, vowed, open or closed. The mind is almost always certain, especially when it's wrong. In the Rolodex of memory, I flip to longing. A wall of windows overlooks the ocean. I give a crescent of my shoulder. You offer your wrist. Imagine a girl with a heart in her foot. If she kicks a rock, the dog, is it with love? On the eve of indecision, who knows how often, each month, my cardiac fist flails from the floor of my mouth, left ventricle, soft palate. Give my heart a map and see if it can find its way, wandering on the wrong train with an empty wallet. The rest of me knows love has always smelled milky. So what if it sours? Before it touches the lips, the tongue, the whole body surrenders. That was poet Emery DiGiorgio, a featured poet at this year's Geraldine R. Dodge Poetry Festival, which starts next week in Newark, New Jersey. For more information about the festival, go to dodgepoetry.org. And for more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence in the arts since 1966. This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.